we wouldn't make enough money to have a third party sell our unit for us. Um, so, so that was the big thing. And, and they wanted to see credibility behind the brand. And really the only thing we could do was get the big guys using our products to say to the small guys, hey, if it's good enough for Aurora, it's good enough for you. You know what I mean? That's kind of the mentality that we, that we wanted to put into the market. Hey, we got Giancarlo here from Blade Filters. Hey. Nice to meet you, man. Thanks, buddy. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, so we were just catching up before the show, and uh, you know, we got introduced from Alex at Layton. And um, one of the things I love about the startup industry is how interconnected everyone is. You know, you were telling me about how you recognize some of the guests who came on, especially from the incubator side. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, everything's kind of interconnected and people kind of know each other. But uh, 100%, yeah. And I think it's super important, too, like in that space, because like no, nobody really goes through the like the kind of struggles and the hurdles that um, like you kind of do in a, in a startup. And it's super important to be connected to, to like minded individuals who have either gone through that process or are going through the same process as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yourself, have you gone through any incubators or accelerators? Like, yeah, any yeah, we have. So um, we did um, accelerator wise. We did uh, launch YU. Okay. Um, so that was really good accelerator out of York University. Uh, so we did the accelerate up there. Um, we did. Uh, we we're part of YSpace. Um, we actually did Leaf Forward. So Leaf Forward was the first cannabis in, uh, accelerator program in Canada. Um, so we were part of that cohort for the first one, um, and then we did. Um, I think that's it, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting. We have a cannabis incubator, right? Yeah, yeah. It was super like, cool. Back I think in like 2018 or something that they did it. Yeah, that's the. It, it's so interesting because I was I was talking to somebody on, about it on a podcast, right? How like the one thing about marijuana becoming legal now and like a whole industry jumping up around it is that it's just like a, such a mind fuck. To most yeah. people, right? Like it was illegal and one of the most prosecuted things for like 60 years. Oh, yeah. And then boom, suddenly yeah. it's like, everywhere. Hey, yeah, you're good. You're legal. So, yeah, I yeah, know. I, I think it's crazy, too. And it just kind of shows you, too, like how, how the world has really progressed and everything now. But um, it, it was a really fun incubator to be a part of. Um, obviously, like incubators benefit different people who have different backgrounds. Um, so if you're starting a company, don't really have a business background, then like that adds a whole different level to it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, even if you do, like you learn different things in it for like running your company. But yeah. honestly, like, I think the most valuable things that we got out of any of the incubators, and and to be honest, the real reason why we did the cannabis one was um, for those connections, mm-hmm. like meeting different people. Because like realistically, like the the biggest thing that you can do in your company right now is just network. Like even at a university, just like the biggest thing you can do is network. You know what I mean? Like you're basically trained to network to find a job. Like uh, the guys that I I did this company with, like we started it because we met each other and we were mixing and mingling with different people at the school. You know what I mean? So it's really what it is. It's super important. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's all all about that uh, creative destruction, right? To borrow a word from CDL, right? Like, the one thing about like when you put like a bunch of people like entrepreneurs especially in a room together is that you get a lot of like bounce back ideas right yeah. and it's kind of like a bleed effect so for me uh, i went through the incubator system uh, at uft uh, back in 2013 and 
like one of the interesting things about that was the how many unknown unknowns I had. Like I didn't even know that I didn't know. So talking to another founder who might have you know just learned something new and they just like telling it to you just shortened the learning curve of you thinking about that. Like realizing that it even exists, right? So one of the things about starting like a like a company is like you know other than chasing your pro- product or building a product, you know, chasing the market, all that. So you got to build a company. You, there's a legal framework behind it. There are yeah. structures that you have to do, right? And yeah, exactly. it, it's a whole learning curve that comes into more than like, you know, what the face value of, of the product is, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's what accelerators and incubators are meant to do also, like help you to figure out how everything kind of works, right? Yeah. Is uh, Blade Filters like your first company? Have you done thing, anything entrepreneurial before? So... Uh, yeah, I've done a, a couple different companies before. Obviously, I think this is like, this, well, not I think. This is definitely the biggest, farthest that I've ever come. So uh, it's kind of funny how, how I say like the farthest I've come because um, mm. kind of what my mentality is always just to kind of like grow. So each company that I started, I would get to a certain point and then say if shit went sideways, you'd be like, okay, start something else now. And the goal is to get past that point. You know what I mean? So it's always kind of been about building blocks. So ever since I was in high school, I always was starting like little different things. Um, I was part of a program called Junior Achievement Company Program when I was in high school. So that's kind of like where you start your own companies. Um, so did that. And then like through university, just like did a couple little things here and there just, just for fun to, to stay busy. But um, I've always kind of had that spark within me. Like even, uh, I always tell the story too, like even when I was like younger, like in elementary school, like you have like those lemonade stands, whatever, on, on the side of your house. But like my lemonade stand wasn't a typical lemonade stand. Like we had pina coladas and all that kind of stuff. So it was always uh, about providing value for everybody. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, most entrepreneurs are either like two flow two ways, right? On a spectrum, either they always been hustlers uh, growing up. They always you know mowing lawns, shoveling snow, right? Selling lemonade, or like you're like becoming a professional, you fi- figure out some kind of deep knowledge and then you find a deep problem using that deep knowledge and you flip over to that kind of side, right? And each yeah. of them have their own problem sets. It's like, you know, whichever stream you come from. So like, you know, coming from that hustle background of like starting different things and moving into it, how did you come across the problem of like blade filters? Yeah, so <laughs> it's actually a funny story. So I guess what I'll do is um, I'll kind of give you like the overview of like, who we are, what we do, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, please. Um, so essentially at Blade Filters, we created the world's first zero waste carbon filter. Mm-hmm. So if you're not really familiar with what a carbon filter is or what it does, it's essentially in the easiest terms possible, it's what removes odors. That's why we deal a lot in the cannabis industry. Now, basically, the story behind what we did is um, – so. Carbon filters is like time-tested technology. So people have been using carbon filters forever. Um, However, it's been very stagnant for innovation. Um, Essentially what it is, let's see, do I have one here that I can grab for you? Um, They're all in the back, but uh, it's okay. We'll we'll forget about that. So pretty much what happens is um, a carbon filter. So what we did is we actually created a replaceable carbon cartridge for these units. So for years, let's say 25, 30 years, carbon filters have been put in a room and after the carbon becomes exhausted, let's say after a year or whatever, you have to replace the entire unit. 
So we developed something that has a replaceable carbon cartridge. So you no longer have to replace the entire unit. All you're going to be doing is sliding the old carbon cartridge out, sliding the new one back in, and you're good to go. So by doing that, we actually save our clients 20 to 30% in their carbon filter costs because they don't hmm. have to replace the entire unit. We actually decrease the process of changing the carbon filters from 30 minutes per filter down to two. And best part on top of this is that we're going from 100% waste down to zero through our recycling program. So instead of literally throwing the entire unit out, you slide out that insert. The insert's the only thing that has to really be changed. So we actually recollect those carbon inserts, dump the carbon, give it back to our supplier who uses it for other purposes, yeah. and then refill, sanitize everything. So the story behind how all this started was that, uh, so there's three of us that founded the company. So there's myself, Aiden, and Joe. Aiden, I went to school with in university, mm -hmm. and Joe is Aiden's brother. So Aiden and I studied business. We went to Schulich, um, and Joe is the math scientist. He's, he's the chemical engineer. Um, so Joe, then we started the company back in 2017. So... The whole story behind us, and, and honestly, it's it's funny because we always get that question. Like, how do three young guys get in the carbon filtration industry? It's like, and honestly, like, I, by all means, like, I had never expected that I was going to get into the space. Like, I woke up one day and I'm like, like, want to get into carbon filters? No, like, that, that didn't happen. So what happened was Joe, um, he, he loves to grow tropical plants, and that's how he dealt with the stress and coped with the stress of studying engineering at school. So he was growing like lychees and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, being in Canada, there's not enough light and heat in the winter to grow his tropical plants. He had to buy something called a growth locker. Now, being a student, he couldn't afford to buy the growth locker. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm going to build one. So as he was building it, he noticed that the carbon filter was an element that was very expensive because it always had to be replaced and you always had to replace the entire thing, even though it was just the carbon that really needed to be changed. So he was actually asking his buddies who were growing cannabis at the time, like, hey, like, is there anything that I can just like change the carbon cartridge in it or change the carbon? And they're like, no, they're like, this is, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. This is what people do. So when he saw that, he's like, so there's nothing. I said, no. He's like, okay, like, I have an idea. So he, in his head, developed the concept of the replaceable carbon cartridge, came to Aiden, his brother. Aiden then came to me with the idea. And uh, we're like, you know what? Like, let's do some market research on it, see if it's actually something people want and that people would be willing to pay for, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So we called, like, 70 hydroponic stores across Canada. So that's where they sell these things. And people said, you know what? Like, it's definitely something they want to see. They're actually willing to pay a premium for something like that. So as soon as we heard that, we kind of just hit the ground running and went from there. That's so interesting, man. Like, I don't think I've ever heard that kind of story before where it's like, uh, it's so many facets to it. So so with with your um, your friend's brother, his name is yeah. Aiden, right? Uh, so Joe is the chemical engineer, and then Aiden Joe. is the other guy. Yeah. So Joe was the one who um, first got into the business and started realizing the problem set, and then called you guys up, and you guys decided to like take this on. Like, what was that process like? The conversation, like, right? Like, were you guys at the time looking for something to do? 
Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, Aiden and I, like, we, we were looking for something to do. Like, we knew we wanted to do something. Um, it was just a matter of trying to figure it out. Like, we, we tried starting a couple other things, and it was very, like, early preliminary stage. And then this opportunity came up, and, like, one thing, like, about us is that we never really let an opportunity pass us by. And uh, we'll kind of get into that when we start talking about COVID and, and all that kind of stuff. But we always try to take advantage of uh, every opportunity that, that kind of comes because, I mean, like, there's nothing worse than, than missing that, that chance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's funny when, you, when we talk about opportunity, right? Like, people say, like, you know, opportunity to talk, knock twice. But, like, sometimes, like, you're blessed with multiple things. Like, there's different directions that life can take. And you have to like decide almost like, hey, I'm going to double down on this decision or uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pursue this particular path. Right. Um, What was that turning point with Blade Filters? Like, where did it go more from like, hey, this is a cool idea. Uh, Was it like after you called the 70 stores and you're like, oh, that's a big market here. Did you crunch numbers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's a great question. So I think I kind of like what I'll do now is I'll kind of talk about like the process. So what happened was. We called those stores and we're like, you know what? Like, sure, like, let's let, let's do something. Let, let, let's try to put some real effort into this and, and see what we can do. So the first thing that we did was was design a prototype. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing you like we learned very fast is that the manufacturing world is not cheap by any means, um, and especially being young guys like in our, I think back then it was probably 19 um maybe like 20 whatever uh we we were young (laughs) um so definitely not something we could afford being students as well so we we scrounged enough money to to put a prototype together um and uh we're like you know like this is pretty good like let's start showing it around just to some people so um we were going around to hydroponic stores, gaining interest, really seeing some good feedback. No one like buying anything right away, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interest was definitely there, so so that got us excited. Um, what we did next was we actually filed for a bunch of uh, grants. So this is something that so I do a lot of like mentoring for high school students who are trying to like start businesses. And one thing I tell them, and I literally tell everybody, is look for grants in your universities and stuff. Hmm. Like so many different opportunities out there. We raised about eighty-five thousand dollars just through grants alone, uh, non-dilutive, so it didn't take any equity at all. Didn't have to pay anything back, just straight, straight money into the bank account for us, and that was through us staying home on Friday nights when everybody was going out writing applications, practicing our pitch literally endless amount of times during the night, during the weekend, just just straight hustling because we knew we, where we wanted to get to. Um, so what we did was just kept applying different programs. We did Accelerate Up. We did the Norman Ash Awards at Ryerson. Um, we actually flew to Vancouver to, to do a, a, grant, um, a pitch competition ended up winning that and it's kind of like those building blocks so once we raised money through grants we filed for a patent um and at the same time because the patent obviously is going to be key in this type of design and once again not cheap at all um so once we did that we started going to a bunch of trade shows uh, at the trade shows once again we weren't selling anything because we 
weren't really able to. We didn't have the capabilities to manufacture yet. Um, so it was more about spreading the word, once again, right? So creating good contacts, seeing that people in this industry really like to see this. We actually had, uh, so our biggest competitors, uh, they got bought by a company for about $95 million. And um, same thing, standard carbon filter, like not the replaceable one. We're the only one in the industry that does that. And they actually came up to us at one of the shows. This was really, really on. And they're like, I didn't think that anybody could innovate in this space. <laughs> I was like, wait till you see what else is coming. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just stuff like that. And, and it was always about kind of trying to like get the name out there. People see that we're young. So, so anyways, so we were building some good traction in the space. Um, obviously, just word of mouth. Once again, no sales yet. So we had the patent, we had the prototypes, uh, we had some pretty good, um, pretty good rep and some pretty good feedback in the industry. So we uh, we started doing a raise. So uh, in 2019 in March we raised about $350,000 um, through our first round, and through that, that money was designated most of it. Well, obviously marketing-wise was some of the money. And then we also put a lot of money towards actually pilot programs. So Amazing. everybody that we met at the trade shows, like the big licensed producers, order control is huge, heavily regulated. Health Canada will basically like fine you like crazy if there's odor coming out of your facility. Um, so being a group of young guys, uh, no credibility whatsoever, like would you trust me to – provide you odor control when it's like if if my shit doesn't work like like you can be shut down first yep. of all you're gonna be fined like your city like everybody's gonna get pissed off so we ha we have to do pilot programs with licensed producers so what like, what type of uh, producers were you going after uh so like 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 company names or like no like what type like so no. you're saying about uh, these filters, right? They're initially, the, the stores you called up were cannabis stores, right? Retail yeah, stores. You would go after the actual cannabis growers. The guys' so growers, like okay. Your Aurora's, your Canopies, your Afrias, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we had a couple guys in the industry back then. It was still early on. So they, they so, were Sorry, initially, was it like a, a straight to consumer kind of deal? Like, were you trying to go retail, but then you flipped to, to a commercial model? Great point. Yeah, I, actually, I should have hit that because we're actually talking about it today with someone. Yeah. Um, so we initially started out going retail mm. um, to those hydroponic stores and trying to get distributors. But um, two points why we switched over. One was still that credibility aspect. But two, like to be honest, like the price points and, and the cost, like, like we wouldn't make enough money to have a third party sell our unit for us. Yeah. Um, so, so that was the big thing and, and they wanted to see credibility behind the brand and really the only thing we could do was get the big guys using our products to say to the small guys, hey, if it's good enough for Aurora, it's good enough for you. You gotcha. know what I mean? That's kind of the mentality that we, that we wanted to put into the market. Yeah. Um, no, it's smart. And uh, th I mean, that's why I wanted to point it out because I think it was a smart positioning uh, for yourselves, yeah. right? And of course, it's way more margin talking to bigger players. But again, challenges, right? Like, how do you again, being young, go after the go to the Aurora's uh, of the world and being like, hey, listen, this is this stuff is better, it's superior, right? Yeah, how did that how did that exactly. process look like? Exactly. So, so that's where the pilot program 
uh, idea came and like we couldn't do it without a raise because like i don't have an aiden and joe like we like we have student debts you know what i mean like yeah we don't have money to give away free units um but that's really what it what it takes and, and that's what even like today like people just want free units to test out so so anyway so we started running pilot programs with some of the guys early on that were really giving us a chance and then kind of one thing leads to another like we run the pilots for a couple weeks and like people started giving us good feedback really liking the units so that's when like honestly like I, it's kind of like a, a like a, a blank space in my mind because so much stuff happens in, in such a short time period that it's like where do you go next and what do you do so at that point we started just pretty much producing as much as we can get it trying to get more credibility like meeting more people going to as many trade shows as we can Man, that's amazing adding to that building block you know what i mean how long was this t- like timeline like what we're we talking about from like the point of uh how long from like idea from joe like you know to so, make to uh where you're right now so we incorporated the company in september of t- or august of 2017 wow okay um actually it's funny so on our website um under the about us yeah, uh, we have a timeline of a bunch of different events that occurred, and like you could see like pictures, like our first trade show versus our most recent trade show, and like you see like the difference. Like at the first one, like it's like a little tiny like table, like everything looks so like butchered, like you know what I mean? Like and then like our most recent one where it's like a beautiful like booth and like yeah like a nice setup, like hardwood floors, all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So, so. August 2017 was when we incorporated, let's say a month before that is when we really started like getting hard into the idea. Um, our first trade show was in 2018, I'm guessing. Um, our first raise was March 2019. Cool. Yeah, so, so that's a pretty, pretty fast trajectory. Yeah. Right. But uh, in the in the meantime, like in between that, like, what about raising capital, right? Like, who supported you to that? Did you have any mentorship support there, or was it just you going out and you know and making cold calls to like, like you know to people to uh, qualified investors? How'd that yeah. process go? So before the raise in 2019, it was grant money. So we raised eighty-five thousand yeah. dollars in grants. Yeah. So pitch competitions, the accelerator programs, all that kind of stuff. That's really what fueled the fire awesome um yeah but in particular about the raising capital right so was it like an institutional round like a seed like a, like a seed level vc they come uh, in or did you get so the, the thing that we wanted to do and like we still have that mentality is that we wanted strategic investors yeah. um, so we we wanted to bring in smart capital not necessarily just any capital so uh no we don't have any vcs part of the team um we did entertain conversations and we did go after them because i mean like you're, you're gonna go after anybody that's willing to to hear you speak um yeah. so we have for example um an investment banker um who's in the cannabis space mm. so he's our point of reference for one anything business related as well as cannabis news updates if we we want information on specific companies so we have him we have several um, serial entrepreneurs who, one, can provide that gray hair to us. 
um, because like we like immediately like even in the conversations like we would tell them like listen like we recognize we're young guys we don't know anything how we barely know anything um, that's why we want you here to provide us that support mm-hmm. we have engineers um, so I, I love telling the story so one of the engineers that we have as an investor is the guy who created the cream machine at Tim Hortons McDonald's so when you go there and they click the button to put like the dispense the cream and stuff into your coffee he's the one that invented that <laughs> um, so we have that guy on our team very very smart guy incredible engineer um, he's provided so much value for us um, because he's, he's been doing it forever right he, he knows different people he knows the tricks he helps us avoid the steps that we otherwise would take so we have business minds we have engineering minds we have tech guys so um we want to get into like uh sensor tech so to be honest we still haven't fully gotten into our sensor tech but ever since that first raise we knew we wanted to so we brought on someone who could help us at that time when it comes Mm -hmm. so it's always kind of like forward looking um and then, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like guys. You talk about that sensor tech. What, like, what do you what do you mean by that? You develop a new line of products that. Uh, yeah, sensors? so we're, we're into we're we already have a partnership with the company, so we're integrating sensors into our in our, to our carbon filters, just like mm. to provide more metrics and uh, provide as much value to our clients as possible. Cool. Um, like for example, one of our investors is someone that is very good, like I guess like IT mind and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so brought him on. He can help us with that. Um, a lot of manufacturing guys as well. well. Not a lot of manufacturers, but we have manufacturers um, on the on the board and on the team as well. Um, because like honestly, like the manufacturing game is a whole different like beast in in itself. Yeah, I can imagine. So, like one of the cool things you guys have done here is like this is a it's a hardware setup, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, like hardware startup and those are very challengingly hard to uh, to operate even during the normal times right during, like, during yeah. average times because like you're you're not just making a software startup where you're putting a bunch of code in and then the cost of service space is like your your, your overhead you got to actually build these things out you got to manufacture and your supply chains you got to store them you got to get it in customers in time what was that side of the business like the logistics side right yeah. like do you have to develop that a nightmare. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's honestly like it, it's a constant of you trying to put out fires, as as it is with any company, really. But mm-hmm. uh, you got to deal with, uh, like you said, like we're we're dealing with it right now, like a bunch of different suppliers trying to get you that one product. Um, so we were doing some work overseas before, and we didn't want anybody to see the final product. So it was bringing different pieces from different places so nobody knew what exactly they were working on and then coming to a one designated spot where everything got assembled. That's what we used to do before and part of that was overseas. So that was even more of a mess. Now everything is in Canada. So it's less of a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, yeah, you have to stay very organized, have to stay on top of everything. You need to give yourself like a lot of room for delays. Um, which we still struggle with because, yeah. I mean, everybody wants everything tomorrow. Um, but um, with the actual storage side, so it's, it's actually funny that you say that. Um, <laughs> what we would do is 
so we had a lot of like, for example, at one time we were storing product at a sub sub manufacturer that we were using, and working out of their space pretty much for free, just like using using them. I hate to say it, but we would use them for whatever we really needed to. So we would have like a shit ton of product just shipped there and be like, yeah, like we'll we'll leave it here. Um, we weren't paying for rent at all. Um, mm. People see that we're young, so we kind of took advantage of that. As shitty as it sounds, I'm sorry if they're listening to this. Uh, our, our carbon suppliers, very good guys. Um, they let us use their space, um, and, and they weren't charging us rent, which um, they probably definitely should have. But we were utilizing those kind of situations for as much as we can. Um, we actually just got our own space here. Um, I want to say back in December, might even have been January. It's very new. Um, so we finally have our own space where we can store everything, do all our work. Um, but um, like it, it's a huge milestone to, to finally have our own spot. Like it's it's the greatest feeling, and we've been waiting for this for so long. It might not be the biggest space that you can get, but it, it's somewhere that we can call home and, and something that that has our name everywhere. And uh, it, it just feels great. That's, I mean, that's cool, man. Like, I, like, I appreciate the journey, and I appreciate being so candid about like how you know how your growth trajectory has been and your mindset's shifted. But, I mean, going back into the pandemic, right? Uh, you know, you mentioned this previously before. Like, there was a shift. You've been operating for what four years now. Pandemic comes around and shifts everything around. Supply chains, how you work, how you meet people, everything's kind of gone up in the wind. How's that been, shift been? Yeah, so um, we've been lucky because two ways. So on the cannabis side, we were still considered an essential business mm-hmm. uh, because people need odor control um, in, in their cannabis facilities because they weren't shutting down. Um, and then two, we, we saw a new opportunity, and, and it has been very good for us. Um, so I guess kind of like the story uh, of this was – Yes, cannabis was, to be honest, kind of slowing down a little bit because of the pandemic. So we had a bunch of new construction projects that we were supposed to work on. Um, They lost funding, so therefore they weren't buying from us. So those projects basically got pushed out or completely wiped out. Um, The cannabis facilities that we were working with were trying to extend as much as they could, how long they could use their carbon filters. Um, they were running skeleton crews. People were getting laid off, so they were had to. It, it wasn't the same. People weren't like using us as much as they really needed to because they were trying to save every penny that they can, right? Um, so, so that was one side. So that was slowing down for sure. Now the other side was is we saw all these other businesses closing down. People getting nervous to really go anywhere everybody's wearing a mask now you know what i mean it's a whole new world so we wanted to do something to help um now being in air filtration we had a bunch of connections so we felt an obligation excuse me to do something mm-hmm. and we had a drive to do it as well so we developed an, a hepa and carbon air purifier now, this unit will remove 99.97% of any airborne particular matter, um, including your coronavirus. Um, so it captures it. Um, HEPA filtration, everybody's talking about, is the kind of the number one way to go. Uh, we're actually using pretty much the biggest HEPA filter on the market right now. 
Um, we're actually um, about to release a new unit into the market that's going to have probably the highest clean air delivery rate that anybody's seen right now on the market for uh, a unit that you can put anywhere. So it's a simple plug and play solution, super easy, um, super effective, quiet. So it's something that people want. So uh, we've been fortunate enough to be working with some pretty cool organizations right now. Um, we uh, So we have units in a bunch of the school boards. So uh, we work with the Peel District School Board, uh, the Peel Catholic School Board, Hamilton School Board, Waterloo, Grandieri, a bunch of the private schools uh, across Toronto. Um, we work with Sotheby's and their offices. Um, the Dell property management team. Um, so we're just trying to really like the goal here was to try to build and try to keep as many jobs and people employed as we can. Um, it's a hundred percent Canadian made unit. So we're trying to keep all manufacturing facilities up and running. Right now we have about six individual facilities with who knows how many employees are in each one. So we're just trying to help them, um, not get laid off and, and try to keep their employees running. Um, our HEPA suppliers, all Canadian. Um, so that's kind of been the, the goal behind that, try to keep the economy going with this. And But well, we've been lucky enough to do, be doing pretty well with it. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's quite a pivot. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, HEPA units are... I used to sell HEPAs. Okay. Right, yeah. So um, I used to be part of like a, um, like, a like, you know, this team... Um, my my previous employer, they were a smart home company, and what they did was, uh, smart home technology at the time, they sold either through security for like you know as a means of security or home comfort, and they chose the home comfort angle. So they started doing pairing together all these like high end appliances with with smart products, and one of the uh, the seller products was HEPAs, right? So HEPAs have really taken off as a, even residentially. People just want like clean air, it's right? Insane right now, mm -hmm. the demand. And like from our end, the lead times to, to get HEPAs, it, it's crazy. Yeah. So uh, in your in your case now, you're 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 doing like commercial grade systems, right? These are going for into like schools. That's amazing, right? Um, I mean, the benefit of clean air, especially, is is a it's 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 a, it's a big deal. And HEPAs, if you if you have someone with allergies, HEPAs make a big difference. Oh, right? 100%. And like the thing is, like these. These aren't going into your central system, so these are portable units. So you literally just plug and play. They go into any standard outlet. So you just plug them into the wall, like say in your bedroom or whatever. Um, so it, it's not like your Dyson's where it's pretty much just a heater, which, which your Dyson is. Um, it, it's truly gonna be effective. So it's not a thin HEPA sheet. We're using a one cubic foot HEPA in our units. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely really cool, cool to see. Yeah. So, yeah, do you guys uh, are you saying that you're manufacturing the filters, the HEPA filters? So we don't manufacture the the, the HEPA filters. So they we, we third party those out. So it comes from one of our subcontractors. Um, but the actual frames and everything else is is all done with us. Yeah. That's cool. So we've done and then, that and we we manufacture them. Yeah. So what about the actual housing? Isn't it a unit? It doesn't have it need like like a, like a like a unit like you know electronically with the fan and all that kind of stuff. Like what about the assembly of that? Is that what you yeah. is what you do? So we don't make the fan either. So the only pieces we don't make are like the wheels on it, the casters. We we don't make those. We just buy them. Uh, the HEPA units 
excuse me, they come from very good. Uh, we have a bunch of different HEPA suppliers that we use uh, to get our product, but they all come certified standard. Um, and then the like the fan within our unit, we don't make it, but all the casing, everything is all done in house. Yep. Do you know like the like the what what HEPAs do differently at the air filters? Like what it is that uh, makes them so good? Um, so it's really the the rating on it. So like there, there's different types of filters that you'll have like the pleated types. So there's the Merv ones, like Merv thirteen, all that kind of stuff. And then you get up into that true HEPA category, and then that's what it's called, true HEPA. Um, so what they do here is like particulate testing. Um, so pretty much like 99.97% means that 99.97% of any particulates at that size, the 0.3 micron, so won't get through it. It'll get captured within it. So actually one thing that's kind of funny is, and, and I know they've been talking about it on, on TV and everything, they've been talking about air purifiers, but... Um, You'll notice that COVID is actually smaller than that 0.3 micron. And some people may be like, hey, like, that's not cool. Like, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that it actually is, is, it is very effective and it's most effective at that size because the way that it actually moves, it kind of like bounces back and forth. Um, very scientific. You, you'd have Joe explain it a lot better. But if NASA says it works, it, it, it captures it just because the way like it yeah. Like, so like HEPA has really made that name, right? Because they're so like the the, the 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 like the filtering is so small, granular that they said true HEPA can even prevent viruses from spreading, right? That's why hospitals have HEPA grade filters yep. in between rooms, so people are you know as the air moves throughout hospitals, like germs yep. or bacteria don't don't transfer, exactly. uh, and that's one of the true true things about it. And the cool thing about it being more and more accessible now is that. It allows for like it being more applicable, so it makes sense, especially in a COVID environment. You know, yeah. you, you you put these into buildings, at least prevent the airflow from from like you know germinating our people, right? Yeah, exactly, and, and like like the thing we tell a lot of our clients too that might be a little hesitant at, at the beginning is, sure, you could put HEPA filters in, in your central system, but people don't really see it. Like you, you mm-hmm. have one of our units in your facility. I know personally, if, if I went into a store, if I went into a restaurant, um, restaurants are a whole different story time, but um, um, you see one of these units there, and it's kind of like a, a mental game at this point, and it's like you feel safer, and like knowing it's so close to you, even like, like sure, they're, they're not the most quiet thing, you're definitely going to hear it, but it's not, the, like our units aren't loud at all, they're, they're, they're fairly quiet. Like even just hearing it and like noticing it, 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 it provides a sense of comfort. Yeah, um, I mean, I actually have one in my house. Like I, I, I brought it from um, when I left uh, the company. I always kept it with me, and it's one of the biggest ones in the market. Yeah. And you can hear it. You know, you can you can manually turn it on, and it, and it hums. Yeah. But like the the cool thing is like. You know, uh, in a lot of places now, the government is, is supporting this, right? It's a tax write-off. There's there's rebates available. I mean, just like like back in the day, like uh, like you know, energy upgrades is or like water like water purification become a thing. Now air has become a thing. Like you know, keeping keeping air clean, air air quality has become more and more important. And just like all like some industries that were like you know accentuated by um, uh, the pandemic, right? Air, you know, the air industry is uh, coming up too, right? Exactly. So it's kind of interesting that you made that pivot, you know, from um, filters into now HEPAs, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you have any other product lines coming up that you can talk about? Or 
yeah i mean like well, well the cannabis side like carbon filters like it, we we still do that like to be honest now cannabis has been getting a lot more popular um i, I guess because of the whole stuff going on into the states like with the, with the changing government and all that kind of stuff cannabis is getting uh, a lot more traction down there so because it's getting a lot more popular in the states it's getting a lot more popular back in canada so the cannabis side has been booming like crazy we've noticed um but um like you said like we have been doing a lot of work with the the HEPA stuff. Um, new things coming up. Um, honestly, we're we're always coming up with new things. So it might not necessarily be a completely new product line like the HEPAs were, um, but it's more so adding more value to our clients with our existing product lines. Uh, we don't want to diversify too much and have too many different things on the go. Um, we we are okay. I, I think one thing that I can say that I know we're definitely going to be doing is um, getting into the uh, psychedelic space. Um, so like with uh, shrooms and stuff be becoming more, more and more people talking about it, um, there is a need for filtration there. Uh, so that's one area we're going to start to branch out into just because it, it makes sense, complements everything that we do. Um, and they need a lot of air quality control in that industry. So that's one spot we're going to be getting into. We're already talking with a bunch of the major guys in that space. Um, so pretty soon there'll be some pretty cool announcements there. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'll be looking forward to that. So what's cool is like now you have this kind of playground, right? Now that you have all this cash flow going through and like products going through, that you can experiment and like build new things out and, and kind of play around with. Uh, I mean, for like a hustler, that's a kind of like heaven, right? Yeah. Uh, you gotta you gotta play with new products. You gotta you gotta you know optimize the current ones. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But like going back to like logistics, you know, you're, ta ta you're talking about uh, you know how crazy it is. Do you feel like uh, it's 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 extra crazy because the pandemic and everything's kind of like wonky, or is it just getting into the industry itself? No, absolutely. Um, the pandemic definitely hasn't helped. The industry in and of itself is crazy logistic game um and like you know it's funny because we, we were talking about it today and aiden's like uh we we're talking with the guy actually who who paints our units and we're like because we always get things to him late and we wanted like a one-day turnaround and it's like the more you really try to plan everything you realize that there's no point of even like trying to plan it to, to the t because shit never works out um, you got to give yourself that extra room and like as much as we've been doing it lately, like it, it doesn't happen. Like we, we try to get everything done in, in such a fast time. And I think that's what kills us. Um, like for the past like three weeks, I want to say um, we've been promising one client to get them units on Fridays, Friday mornings. And uh, we don't get the units to us to do the assembly till Thursday night. So for the past like three weeks, just so we can keep that promise to them, we literally are here all Thursday night doing assembly just so we can like get it to them. No, really cool. Like, I mean, the, I think the logistics side would be like the most stressful part of this, especially with things changing and like so many different like um, so many different parts to, 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 that, to, that, to that cycle, right? But how about the, the actual delivery side? Like, do you only ship the units out? What about implementation or, or like, um, 
or like actually installing the stuff? Like, is uh, the client responsible for that? Maintaining? Uh, it really depends. It, it goes both ways. So, um, on the cannabis side, it the larger the company, the more they want to do it because they have huge teams in house to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller clients, like for example, on Friday, the guys have an installation at a micro cannabis facility. Um, mm-hmm. So we do a lot of those installations um, in-house. Um, we have a lot of guys that we do like the replacements and stuff for them for the car- for the carbon filters. On the HEPA side, um, it's it's kind of different because it's a lot easier to install. This mm-hmm. one's more of like you just wheel it in and you plug it in and you're, and you're good to go. Um, carbon filters are a little bit harder because sometimes like you got to hang them up, all that kind of stuff. Um, but even still, like we've done installations for the HEPAs where we'll actually just go in and like help them set it up. And then we actually provide a white glove service for replacements. So when the carbon, sorry, when the HEPA filters need to be replaced, we send our team in, they'll do all the replacements to ensure everything's done properly, um, avoid anything getting contaminated in the area, um, and then everything is disposed of properly. That's really cool. So. Okay, so you have like an after like after uh, yeah. sales team like a service as well added yeah. to that thing. Cool. So, like, based off of that, right? Like, how big of a client does, can you scale up to? Like, let's say you get like, a facility, right? That like it's like a it's like a big like a commercial district or a big problem a big set, right? Like, does intelligence have to be built into these systems, these HEPA systems or these these filters, right? Like. Um, so no, you do. So if it's a big, like open space, then these units like the HEPAs, they're, they're not going to be ideal for that. Cause it's all based on cubic feet. So you mm-hmm. don't want to like a, like a bunch in a, in a huge like warehouse. So we'll have different solutions for that type of situation. But, um, mm-hmm. we work with like, like even like on the cannabis side, like we work with multi-million square foot facilities. Um, so like, for example, our smallest guy is like someone who has a little tent and is growing in there and our largest facilities, like I said, like upwards of 2 million square feet in one, in one spot. Yeah. I mean, what what I'm asking is like, uh, cause prop tech now is coming up, right? So property managers can now utilize more technology to control and get like real time results from like, uh, all the equipment operating to, um, you know, how the property operates. Right. So is there a feature or a capability to provide yeah. insights, like, you know, like to, you know, turn them into data point capture to capture yeah, data? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. And that kind of stems from what we were talking about before too. Um, like, uh, bringing on those, those strategic investors and, and having those partnerships ready to go. Um, so we do have partnerships with data companies and, uh, and sensor tech companies already. Um, yeah. So the moment somebody wants to have that tech before it's really ready to go out the door on, on our end and like publicly really disclose it, they, they, they can have it. It's already been done in house. Um, so it's just a simple thing. Like Wicked. the good thing about working with us and, and that we like to really pride ourselves on is like the customer service aspect. Um, since we're the manufacturers, we're the sales guys, like we're the face, mm-hmm. really whatever you guys need, whatever anybody needs that needs to be adjusted, more than capable to do it. Yeah. yeah I'm always astounded by like the, le- the amount of or level of partnerships that uh, companies 
need to have oftentimes in order to like you know conveniently operate right because there's so many specialized uh aspects of a business that like you know a spe- only a specialized player can provide and by working together it's like it's almost like you know you're hunting a bison together as like as like a part of like, as like a, a hunting party right and each person like is carries a different tool does a, provides a different kind of kind of thing and together you tackle this giant problem down yeah. right yeah exactly. and it, it's all a team effort and like the, the more connections you have like the, the better off you are everybody has the same role you're all working in the same space not mm-hmm. necessarily the same thing so why not utilize each other to to grow yeah uh, and I think like like during this pandemic, like that kind of culture is really enhanced in front of everybody, right? Everyone's like, okay, cool. There are problems. Like the world's on fire right now. There are real problems out here. There's real opportunity. Like how do we get to this, right? Um, the weird thing about like uh, COVID is that, uh, especially is that it's changed that culture around towards that level, right? There's always these periods where like, there's like, you know, like, you know, I think Ray Dalio calls it the long-term, short-term death cycle. Right, where like like depending on like like how good the economy is, people's behavior changes. You know, when things are going bad or things resources are scarce, humans are naturally like competitive, right? They're exploitative. They're like, yeah. no, no, there's only a given space, and we're gonna fight tooth and nail to stay where we are. But then things are growing, right? Um, it, it provides opportunity, like grow, space to grow. There's new growth opportunities. People are more willing to work together to like you know to to fit that level. And yeah. we're this weird space right now with the uh, with the pandemic, where uh, Scott Galloway calls it a great dispersion. Right, we're we're not seeing like a destruction of wealth. We're seeing we're seeing a transfer of wealth between industries. Right, and yeah. with that dispersion of uh, dispersion comes a lot of opportunities. And what I'm really looking forward to is uh, the new kind of companies, right? So not small businesses, but the new businesses that kind of develop and become, uh, you know, more, more, more bigger and brand, like you know, and more um, secured in the economy, right? Yeah. And um, one thing is like kudos for your current growth, but I think this is a great trajectory you guys are on. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. So based off of this, right, like. You know, you're, you you have now this hardware setup. You know, you have these pipelines, these companies. How does how does sales work for you now, right? Are you are you still cold calling? Um, are are people coming to you now with uh, with like you know we, we heard about you, right? How does that kind of positioning working in the market? Yeah, I I think um so so that's a great point um and, and a great question um I think it's both really um so we're always kind of trying to so, so actually it's funny so um every day we come in now we, we kind of try to have what we call like a forward moving day um so you spend a certain period of time each day just forward looking and forward moving so whether that's seeking new leads um finding new partnerships anything that can help us get a little bit further than we were yesterday um so that has to do with us like reaching out to new people, which we constantly do. So we're constantly looking at different companies to work with. We're looking for different people that we can just straight up like sell to. Um, so we are still actively seeking new clients. Um, I think more so on the cannabis side, people are starting to come to us a little bit more now. Um, and that's through different things, like whether it's like referrals, um, just like it's a small industry like everybody talks to each other in that space um so it's a lot of word of mouth there um so we we have been getting a lot more people that way 
Um, but Hepicide has been a lot of us reaching out. I think just because people are so confused right now and, and they don't know exactly what they want and they're seeing like different companies come up. Uh, so we're just really trying to, to educate people and, and get as many people informed as we can. Definitely. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, well, I, think, I think I guess one last question is, do you foresee any more, like, do you want to get into more accelerator programs? Do you see yourself getting to those kind of programs to, you know, expedite growth? Or do, are, you, are you trying to go um, on the organic growth kind of proje- trajectory? Like, uh, what's um, next? We're, we're always open to opportunities like that. Um, it's always a learning experience. I mean, there's definitely going to be something to benefit from it. Um, obviously, now we're not going to be doing something where it's like how to start a company type accelerator. Um, it's going to be more so about the networking side and kind of like building from where we are to get to the next level. Um, we, we don't know everything and, and we always have that mentality like there's always something to learn. Um, people have gotten a lot further than us. So many more people have. So anything we can learn from them and anyone we can talk to about how they think like we can get to the next level or what they've done to kind of build their companies, we're, we're open ears. Perfect. I, I love that. The, my, my previous guest who came on, he was a VC out of, out of the Valley and, and, he, and he talked about this, right? It's like what we want is we want we don't want to invest in uh, know-it-alls. We want to invest in learn-it-alls, people who are hungry to learn more about their industry, more about the problem they're trying to solve and get better uh, because they're asking the right questions. Right. So uh, it's a really good attitude you guys have. Um, Hey, again, kudos for your growth. Uh, Thanks for coming on and and sharing your uh, sharing your insights and sharing your journey with us. Uh, It's been really insightful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, perfect. Stick around for a quick uh, for a quick debrief. Uh, But for everyone who tuned in, thanks for tuning in. Thank Thank you.